Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, real football injury talk. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Heads and Tails Fantasy Football Injury Report, where uh, my co-host Josh and I uh, explore all the different injuries and illegal hits in the NFL. Uh, for, this is currently the 2017 season, and we're in week 13. Uh, we got a lot of injuries this week to talk about, but not a whole lot of videos uh, of these injuries, unfortunately. Um, but we, we did what we could, and then we're also going to kind of wrap up the, the talk today uh, by talking about the My Cause, My Cleats initiative that the NFL has going, because it's kind of cool to see you know, what the different players in the NFL are interested in, what they're passionate about outside of football. So, Josh, uh, let's start off with the Week 13 injuries. Uh, and we, we were starting off with Zach Ertz, tight end for uh, Philadelphia, and he's in the concussion protocol. Yeah, so we got a lot of – numerous amount of injuries this week. Uh, a lot of them – Plethora. Yeah, a lot of plethora of injuries. All well, – basically the ones we picked out, almost all of them have uh, teams in playoff races. So um, the names of the guys of these – on these teams who are pretty important to their teams and it could affect the last couple of weeks here and what happens, uh, what happens in the playoffs. So the first one is Zach Ertz. He's tight end for the Eagles. Um, he's been huge for them this year. Um, he's numbers wise. He's, he's right up there with Travis Kelsey and Gronk um, in terms of numbers and fantasy output. That's saying something. Yeah. And it's basically the three of them. And then, it's a big drop off between the rest of the guys. So he's he's been really big for Wentz this year, and one of the reasons why, uh, even though they lost last night, they're uh, they're ten and two and tied for first in the NFC. But well, when was this? Uh, when did his concussion happen? What's the point in the game? Uh, towards the beginning of the second half. So it was early in the third quarter. It was ten. It was ten three. They started. They were starting to. I wouldn't say they started to come back, but so that could have been part of the reason. Yeah, you know. they weren't doing much in the first half, but um, it didn't help that he went out in the second half and didn't come back, but. We have a video of this. It's not the greatest video in the world. You need, world. like, not only, like, a microscope, you need, like, a telescope to yeah. see it. But but uh, it sound, it's, it's, it's hard to tell whether he got um, – had more of the concussion symptoms from the hit itself he took from the linebacker, which seemed um, – it sounded – like there was helmet on helmet contact, but it wasn't a it wasn't an illegal hit. It wasn't flagged, um, and rightfully so. I don't think it was illegal. Um, and he kind of hit the ground after being tackled too. So maybe it was a combination of both. Um, but like I said, he didn't come back in the game. So there's one of those guys you got to keep a keep a status update on going forward. If they, I mean, they're the NFC is so top heavy. They're packed at the top now. They're tied with the Vikings at ten and two. Uh, the Saints and the Rams are both nine and three, and the Eagles have played. Uh, at the Rams this week. So, I mean, these games for those top four or five teams in the NFC are huge in regards to home field advantage and getting that first round bye. Um, so guys like Ertz can heal up and get that extra week and also play at home in the playoffs. Um, those, It seems like yeah, NFC, maybe it's just me, but it seems like the NFC more than the AFC, um, every single team is significantly better at home um, or benefits greater being at home than being on the road, like the Seahawks, no for that advantage, the Eagles, the Vikings, um, the Saints. All those teams are historically known to have really good home field advantages. So it would be interesting to see who gets, uh, who ends up getting the buys and gets those divisional round games at home. But um, we'll see what happens with Ertz and if he uh, if he plays this week. Um, I guess they they have a capable backup. Um, Trey Burton is their is their backup tight end, who's Florida guy. Yeah, who's played okay. He Ertz missed a game. Three or four weeks ago, um, whether it's ham hamstring or quad, one of the leg muscles. Um, Wasn't Trey Burton a quarterback in college? I don't think so. It's a very common name. I feel like it sounds like a quarterback name. To be honest, look it up. Maybe he was. Okay. Um, but he's their backup tight end. He'll play uh, if Ertz can't play this week, which isn't the worst tight end in the world. But it's a still a significant step down from Ertz. Okay. Uh, next injury up is Alec Ogatree. Ogletree. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I, I've been good with the names yeah, for a while. Have. You've yeah, you have. You've been crushing it. And we got some easy ones this week. Just like me and Eli, we lost our streak <laughs> this, this week. So, um, Linebacker for the Los Angeles Rams uh, with an elbow injury. So it's kind of unknown when or what exact play this happened, but Kevin found a clip of him in his post-game interview about how it happened in the first half. He actually got it 
interception return for a touchdown uh, in the first in the first half of the game, and it happened. He said it happened the drive after. I guess you said that some people were saying that some people were it. questioning whether he he did a, a a front flip into the end zone when he scored the touchdown, and he didn't. It wasn't a graceful landing, and people were saying that he you know asking if he hurt his elbow on the flip, and of course he's not going to say that yeah. he did because. That would make him look pretty bad, but you don't know if he did or not. But he said he did it on the next drive. But um, again, Rams nine and three. Just, just as we talked about with the Eagles, uh, one of the top teams in the NFC. He's their best linebacker. Uh, they just signed him to a long extension, um, and then he's kind of like your Sean Lee for the Cowboys and your Luke Keekley for the Panthers. He's like the guy that kind of keeps it all together. But um, you found the post game interview of him basically saying he knew whether it was on the touchdown or whether it really was the next series that he knew he was hurt. And he tried, and he tried to play through it for it for a drive before he finally was like, oh, "I can't do this." Yeah, and like let his backup come in. Um, but he was talking about being tough and toughing it out. And you're, yeah, we're all about that on the Heads and Tails podcast. Well, not all about toughing it out, but all about not toughing it out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a good clip to have in there. Uh, anything else on that injury? No, that's it. All right, moving on to Matt Stafford, quarterback for Detroit, with his hand slash wrist. So he got hurt late in the game. They're already down by by a bunch. Uh, they lost the Ravens, um, and they're on the outside looking in of the playoffs. They're six and six. Um, so they're one of those where they can't afford to lose any more games coming um, winning their last four to try to get a wild card and sneak into the playoffs for Lions. And if he's misses a week or two weeks, I mean they're probably done. They, they don't they don't really have they have a young um, backup who was a Michigan quarterback from a few years back, but has never played in the NFL game. So um, obviously Stafford holds their team together. They have zero running game. And they haven't seems like since since Stafford's been there. So um, if he's not able to play for the next couple of weeks, they're probably done. Their season's um, likely over. But I'm kind of surprised this type of thing doesn't happen more often with quarterbacks, where you see there um, most of the times either they fall on it, they brace their fall and they mess up their hand that way, or just in the normal throwing motion, hitting a, hitting a helmet coming forward. Through, yeah. Yeah. Um, surprised that you don't see more about that. Well, speaking from my own experience of playing football, you know, I, I remember there's pictures online and there's pictures on the blog of like uh, his hand, Dak's hand. Yeah. Uh, and it's so just swollen, this mangled yeah. looking bloody hand. And I'm like, yeah. anyone who plays football – your hands look like that at some point during the season, just from getting a helmet to it or someone stepping on it or whatever it is. Um, you know, but obviously for a quarterback, it's much different because your hands are much more valuable than yeah. any other position. Yeah. Offensive, uh, defensive linemen, they just put a club on it and you play. Yeah, you, you don't, don't need it. it. Yeah. But uh, those hands do swell up fast. So, I mean, it does look bad. But yeah, once you stop being able to see those little tendons uh, yeah. that move in your – that's when you know you got some swelling going on. But Like you said, I mean, from a quarterback standpoint, if you can't grip the ball, you can't throw it, and you can't be out there. But um, So we'll see. Uh, just from a playoff standpoint, we'll see if he's able to play this the, this coming week because, like I said, they probably need to probably need to win out, finish 10-6 and six to try to get one of those wild card spots in the NFC. I have a Tom Savage story when he was at Rutgers. Uh, when he was playing, I forget if he hurt like his elbow or if he hurt his hand, but he got like shot up with some sort of like cortisone shot or something like that, to the point where it like numbed his hand. And he like couldn't grip the ball, and during a game, yeah. And that was when I th- I'm pretty sure that was the time when like Chase Dodd came in and basically like took over. That's what I mean. Even in college, more so than the NFL, I feel like you have 120 guys on the roster in college. Um, the hiding injury is probably more prevalent there because like that type of situation there's more guys waiting to take your jobs in college and it's true yeah if you you step out for one play and a guy comes in you might be done you can look at it either way i guess with like the roster size numbers like if you don't have a lot of people on a team then like you you know might not be as worried about your job uh per se but at the same time you might be thinking like you know you might not have as much trust in yes. the people behind yeah. you. Like this because there's not as much depth, mm-hmm. maybe the quality of the player behind you isn't the same. I don't know. I, I agree with you. Uh all right. Next is another quarterback, uh Tyrod Taylor, quarterback for Buffalo with a knee injury. Yes, very similar to Stafford. The Bills are six and six. Um Playoff picture in the AFC. It might be a little bit easier for those two wild cards to sneak in with maybe an eight and eight or a nine and seven record at the end of the season. But um, so Tyrod Taylor, he, there was a couple plays um, watching the highlights of this game where uh, 
he didn't get really get rolled up on, but he got tackled awkwardly once, and then he got kind of rolled into uh, awkwardly once, and um, it seemed like a culmination of a couple plays um, that made him miss the remainder of the game. Um, the first one was earlier in the game. I think it was the first quarter, and then the last one that ultimately um, he came out for the rest of the game was like late in the third quarter. Um, they weren't really doing anything in the game anyway, playing the Patriots and only scored three points, but Tyra Taylor got benched two weeks ago and that became a whole big uh, fiasco. It's their head coach decided to play a fifth round rookie from Pitt and he threw five interceptions in the first half against the Chargers. Nice dude. Made him look like an <laughs> idiot. And then they go back to Tyrod Taylor and he wins last week at Kansas city, which everyone seems like was such a great win, but now Kansas city is losing to everybody. So, I mean, the Bills are probably done anyway. They just have they had so much bad stuff go on this year. But I still think Tyrod Taylor gives them their best chance to win um, and best chance to make the playoffs uh, if he plays the remainder of the season. But it came out today he doesn't have any structural damage, so no MCL, ACL. Um, and bruised any, kneecap. Any stuff. Bruised kneecap. Bruised kneecap doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. And one of one of his bigger things, Tyrod Taylor, is that he's a mobile. He move, yeah, yeah. He's a mobile quarterback, so play breaks down. He can run a little bit. He can get a first down on third down by using Guy his legs. Guy needs his knees. Yeah. So if he's got a bruised kneecap, how likely is he to move around and get out of the pocket? And now he's just he's a sitting duck back there, and he's not really that your typical thrower of the football anyway. So right. Um, but like you said, they still have a shot. Um, so from another another major key player on a playoff contending team to see what see what happens with these guys going forward. These are like banged up injuries like Yeah. 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 Uh as as they say in in the football <laughs> locker room, you're banged up. Uh all right, next injury is Jimmy Smith, cornerback for Baltimore, uh, out for the year with an Achilles injury. So this was I, we couldn't find the play, the specific play for this. Usually um, they're there. Usually yeah. the snipers. You know. The but, Achilles snipers. So this was a very similar to Richard Sherman where he was questionable going into the – Richard Sherman was questionable going into that game. They tore with his Achilles. Achilles? With an Achilles. So he wasn't uh, – uh, Jimmy Smith wasn't on the injury report this week. Uh, but last week when they played on Monday night against the Texans, he was questionable going into the game with an Achilles. So – and it seems like – I remember somebody – I think that Twitter doctor that we've talked about, the football doctor that's, yeah. that's on Twitter, um, he does a weekly hit on NFL radio. And I heard him talking about the Richard Sherman thing, and he was like, that's one of these – it's one of those things where it's going to happen. Like it, when you stretch – I, I mean, I'm not a doctor. It can but, only stretch but, so much. Yeah, he's like when you stretch out your Achilles like that much, band, yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of time where it's going to just completely go on you. Um, so it seems like – and I mean like these guys, these guys play, and Richard Sherman wants to be out there, and he wants to play, and he knows the risk, and it's very similar to – This also wasn't a Thursday night game. We'll no, yeah, and this yeah. wasn't, but it's it's – Jimmy Smith is oh, – so he's he's the Ravens' best corner, and the Ravens are starting to play well after they're 7-5 and five now. I think they've won four of the last five. They're starting to score some points on offense finally. Um, their defense has been pretty good all year. He's their best uh, corner. Um, so he's one of those guys where he knows he means a lot to the team when he plays. But just similar to Richard Sherman, the fact that they're going to go out and they're going to play, kind of knowing the risk of this specific injury when it's bothering them, there's a – Probably a greater chance than other injuries that it could go. I think it's yeah, but you think, think anyone's telling him that? No, probably not. But I don't know. I it's but they play anyway. So I I mean, but I think they know in the back. I just like this specific injury. I feel like they. I feel like you know. I, I it seems like this happens with Achilles more so than someone playing on a sore hammy and tearing their hamstring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So. It's just, just from what I've heard, it seems like if your Achilles is bothering you, don't play. If you're playing and it's still sore, you you have a m- much higher risk of tearing it and you're out for the season. Um, so it, it's it's another blow to the Ravens who were um, – we talked about them at the beginning of the season, how injured they were. Uh, even coming into the season, early in the season, how many guys they had on IR. And they were, have been getting healthier and healthier. So this is kind of a, a bad one for them. I think that is a good point to make in our year-end Huffington Post article about what we found. Achilles? Yeah, well, yeah. Specifically? Yeah. Just like the trends in Achilles injuries, like guys who are on, you know, questionable going into these games or even Because they're prior. sore. Yeah. Right. That could be an indication that yeah. may need to take a week off. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing with the Jimmy Smith was it came out today, so it happened yesterday, and then there was a report today that he got a four-game PED performance-handling drug suspension which he is able to serve 
while he's while hurt. While being hurt. So even though he's out for the year, his suspension starts next week, and he misses the final four games, 14, 15, 16, 17 of the regular season. So then next year when he's back, he'll be able to play again, which, I mean, I don't know if I – I don't know if I agree with that or not. I don't know if it's I mean, well, he's not getting paid for that time, right? Yes, he's still not getting paid. Where if he didn't get suspended and he wasn't playing, he would get paid. Right, and I, I feel like from, – So mean, f- from a money standpoint, it's no different. But from a team standpoint, I guess you're – Yeah, I guess it benefits them. But it, when you're doing that, like the performance-enhancing drug thing, I feel like it's more of a punishment for the player. It's not necessarily a punishment – meant to be a punishment for the team. Yeah, monetary and especially monetarily, it's a punishment for the for the player. Exactly. Yeah. So in that case, like they're losing their money no matter what. And as a player, he probably doesn't freaking give a crap that he's not playing necessarily. It's more that he's not getting paid is the problem. Like so yeah, well now that he's hurt, yes. Right. So it doesn't yeah. matter if he's susp- if he you know yeah. if he had to serve it at the beginning of the season or now. Yeah. Um, just com- more convenient for the team. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Next injury. Uh, is the Tredavious White cornerback uh, for Buffalo uh, in the concussion protocol due to uh, the Gronk hit? And this is this was blown up on yeah. Twitter. So this is yesterday. probably the biggest one of the week. Yeah, biggest so, talking point. And I think if you follow football at all, you've probably seen it. Um, late in the fourth quarter, the Tom Brady throws an interception. Well, watching it in real time, I thought there was pass interference. I thought they, I thought White. They, they were all over each other. Yeah, yeah. Which. Uh, and that's basically Gronk's defense for the whole thing. But so the Bills corner gets an interception. He's on the ground for four four seconds probably. Um, I don't know if he was touched down, but he was. All, he, he gave, I'm pretty sure. I think he was, he was out of bounds. Like I, I think he rolled in. He, he was, was like out of half bounds. in, half out. Someone <clears throat> touched him too. So Gronk did like a. It looks like a wrestling move. Like it looks like something you see in the yeah, WWE. Yeah, suplex. Yeah. Yeah, and shouldered him to the head, and he got a concussion. So um, obviously it was late. It was unnecessary. It was. Um, and Tredavious White was face down on the ground. It wasn't yeah. like he saw yeah. Gronk coming. Exactly. He had this, like, 270-pound yeah. dude just slamming on his back. Yeah. So Gronk comes out after the game and apologizes and says he doesn't play like that and then immediately goes to say how he was getting offensive pass interference calls when he shouldn't have and then he's not getting defensive pass interference calls when he should have and they hold him and grab him all game, Yeah, that, that which was, they do, and yeah. it's true. That was pure frustration yes. that, yeah. you know, but that – yeah. It's no excuse. Yeah, I know. I feel like pe- people who play football like have gotten to that point before. Like I, I remember getting to that point in games where like guys were just pissing me off yeah. so bad on the other team, and you can't do what Gronk yeah. did. Like it's you the have old to see red. You're all you just see red. Yeah, you can't control your your impulses. Um, you got to try to find ways to get back at them uh, legally. Yeah, which obviously Gronk didn't. So he got suspended a game, so he'll miss. Uh, they play the Dolphins this week, so he'll miss the Dolphin game. Pending appeal, obviously. Um, the quick side note on the appeal is we talked last week at length about the fight, the Raiders fight with Crabtree and the Broncos and Tlaib and how they were suspended for two games, and we thought that was a good – I said this right away. A good seven or eight well, I guarantee you it yeah. gets, uh, gets uh, reduced. And then and like an hour later, um, after we finished up the podcast, it was it came out that it got reduced to one game. So yeah. – uh, Obviously, Gronk is appealing his one-game suspension, and we'll see if it holds up. And it seems like, to me, the one-game suspensions hold up, um, but it's the multiple-game suspensions that don't hold up. Um, And tying it in with the fight and this also and the other post-play unnecessary roughness hits that we've seen this year, like the Mike Evans hit, um, no matter what the NFL seems to do, it seems like on appeal it always gets reduced reduced to – a game or reduced to ejection. Right. I, I just think from all. like a negotiating standpoint, it's almost like the NFL knows that they're going to get appealed. So they will up the ante on the suspension. So say you make it two games cause you know, it's going to get reduced <clears throat> to one anyway. So like why in this case, didn't they do the same thing? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess, but then hopefully this, I mean, to me, I, ho- I hope this doesn't get um, overturned to no games and just a just a fine um but i to me it feels like one of those things where the appeal process it's it's a very it's a very legal process and a lot of it is based on precedent so for forever in the nfl like 
there ha- there's no precedent for multiple game suspensions. And I feel like that's why these um, – a lot of times the players, the ex-players who – That's what they have to use against. Yeah, so they have so. to use the precedent. And I feel like at some point you need to create a new precedent. And I'm not saying you – and you can't do it in the middle of the year. So you, so you like can't make use, an example of yes, someone you mean? Yes, or, or come out in the offseason. You can't use – you can't say, oh, week 13, I'm making an example of Gronk. We're changing the way we do this, and it's going to – that – Post play, unnecessary roughness type of penalty, cheap shot is going to be four games. Um, you can't do that in the middle of the season. But if you come out in the off season in May when you have the owners' meetings and say, "Okay, we're going to crack down on the these type of penalties, these blind side." Yeah, but didn't they say that this year? I, they I, said that going into this season. Yeah, but I don't think they specifically put it a suspension. On it, you know what I mean, like, like a suspension g- outline, or yeah, or not, and I guess maybe you do menu, have to put an out a menu on, on of it, but suspensions. I guess just my point is, with the with the appeals process the way it is, and having the precedent aspect of it, the the biggest factor in the whole thing. That's why I feel like everything gets reduced because forever there hasn't been a lot of suspension in the NFL. They just don't suspend guys for on the field stuff. But if you come out and say this type, Mike Evans hit. Um, Fights, uh, this Gronkowski hit going forward next year, it's going to be four games. Um, maybe that just, ha- I mean, like we've said, when you see red, you see red and you can't control it. But maybe once once the first one or two guys get suspended for four games, like a PED, what's worse? PEDs now or this or these hits? Right. And I, I kind of just had the thought when we, when we were talking, when we were just talking that, you know, it, like football's a violent sport, right? Mm hmm. So, but the intention is that the violence is between the whistles and between yes. the lines, right? Yes. yes. Between the sidelines. Yes. To me, when it extends beyond the whistles and beyond the sidelines, which in this case was somewhat both of those, mm-hmm. when does it come become like assault? Like, no, yeah. What, where else in the world can you sucker punch someone in the back of the head, give them a concussion, and not get in trouble for it? Yeah. And that's when not go to jail for it. That's Rodney Harrison said that on Sunday Night Football, the pregame show last night. He's like, if you do that, if you do that to a guy on the street, yeah, you're going to jail. So, like I said, I don't think you can extend it to defenseless receiver plays, and like you said, stuff I, yeah, that plays between the, the lines, between the whistles. But this post-play stuff, I think it's very easy, and no one's gonna say boo about the NFL coming out and saying uh, fights. If you throw a punch, you're ejected, you're suspended for two games automatically. Um, if you want to do, if you want to start with two games for these blindside, post whistle, unnecessary roughness hits, two games, three games, whatever it is, it's got to be something where um, <clears throat> I think guys have it in the back of their mind. Um, like right now, I, I still or maybe think. Maybe take even the, the, the negotiating out of it. Yeah. Like, if you say, like, this is what it is before the season, this is what it is, it's not changing. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Yeah. Like, maybe, okay, so are you appealing that you threw a punch? Okay. That's the appeal. The appeal is, did you throw a punch? Um, but that's the only thing you, you can appeal. You're not going to appeal to get it taken down. The, if you get popped for PEDs, you can't appeal to get it from four to two because of the amount you took. Right. Or, you know? And I don't think that that should happen necessarily for like defenseless receiver stuff just no, because no. of like yes. you can't control everything. No. Yes. But that's, you know, anything after the whistle and outside the lines yeah. to me is subject to a non-negotiable penalty or uh, suspension or yeah. whatever it is. I agree. It's a good uh, thing to talk about at the end of the year, I think. Yeah, and I also like want to bring up hockey too, because hockey obviously people fight all the time and they're throwing fists. But the difference is, is like it's like mano y mano, like it's agreed upon before it happens. There's yeah. no sucker punches. There's no. And there are sometimes, but they get suspended. And it's also technically between the lines. Like, yeah. 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 It's 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 hard to make a comparison with the with with the hockey fights, just because of how they're. How it's structured in in the NFL because the NHL. it's structured in because the NFL. it's structured right. yeah exactly it's yeah it's not a structured thing yeah. in the NFL which is why it shouldn't yeah. be there yeah. but if you make I just think if you make it especially the fights if if you if you make it black and white with the fights maybe maybe it's maybe stops it a little bit right and and how often have have we seen you know how how often have we seen someone like in these off the outside the lines and after the whistle 
hits, like, actually get hurt yeah. from it. Like, not that often. This is, you know, like, this yeah. is something that yeah. the guy got hurt. Like, he got yes. a concussion yeah. from this. Uh, all right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, next uh, injury is CJ. Uh, this is my streak ends again. Uh, CJ Fedorowitz. 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 Yeah, you're struggling Close too. Enough. Yeah, you know uh, tight end from Houston. Uh, concussion. This is his third of the year. So. Yeah, I would assume he's done for the year. So we've talked about him a lot this year. He had the quote-unquote concussion in the preseason, which. You just, it's the preseason and it wasn't in a game, so it was kind of unconfirmed, but it seems like it did happen. Um, and now he had the concussion week one, was immediately put on injured reserve, not immediately, but following the game was put on injured reserve, so he missed eight weeks. Um, and they came back, and I think he's played the last three games, and now we got another concussion. Um, uh, unfortunately, we don't have the video of it. Uh, we, have the, we have a video of Bill O'Brien talking about it post-game. But making it seem like it was obvious that, that he had a concussion was wrong. Like there was no question. Yeah. So, I mean, you get three in one year in August, September, October, November, basically four months. Um, well, you have to think, is he done? Like, is this guy going to be done for football forever? Yeah. Um, is a full off season. Gonna... How many years has he been in, been in the league? Uh, a handful. I would probably say six. I'd probably say so he's five, gotten five, paid. five to six. Yeah, but he wasn't always – the last two or three years he was starting to produce. He wasn't ever like – I don't know. I mean – Yeah, but you don't get a second contract he's probably without on getting his, paid. He's probably on his second contract, but I don't think his second contract was – Anything great. Yeah, an enormous second contract. So, um, I don't know. Just another one to follow uh, in the off season to kind of see see what happens with him. But it's 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 one of those things that's scary to think about. Um it's like you said, three and three and four months. Is he had? Is he more prone now because maybe he had? Yeah, four. science science has kind of backed that. Yeah. So yeah. maybe he had four in high school and college, and that's we've thought we've talked about this briefly, but we can talk about concussions so it blew in the face in the NFL, but we have no idea of these guys' histories, especially pre-college. But even there's no injury reports in college, so even in college, um, we, there's very little to know about their concussion history before they get to the NFL. So you think, oh, this guy's prone to concussions, okay? Um, maybe he maybe he's is more more so because of how many he had was exposed to earlier or in his undiagnosed, career. yeah. Yeah, or undiagnosed. So um it's just it's it's unfortunate and scary it's kinda scary to think about how uh how many he's had, but I'm uh I'm assuming that he will he'll probably be probably be out for the year and probably uh for the best um yeah for sure uh, another tight end concussion before we uh, move on we talked about colby fleener last week yeah he got put on ir so he's going to be with at this point in the season because he's got a history yeah yeah so it's uh it, it's six weeks and then he can can't play for eight weeks so i don't even know if that's even if they make the super bowl so what is this was 13 14 15 16 17 bye week so technically he could practice going into the divisional game and could would could be active for the Super Bowl if they get there, but um, obviously if they put him on IR this late in the season, um, with only one possible game that he would be eligible to return from if he cleared everything, uh, they probably don't. Uh, probably wouldn't play him. Yeah, anyway. they're, they're they're probably not assuming that he'll, he'll he'll be back by then. But it's just another concussion that we talked about, and another guy that had a concussion history. And you now we're starting to see more and more of these guys with the concussion histories are the ones that are going on IR and having these automatic. Um, Eight week, which is good to see. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder if they. I'm assuming they probably stay in the protocol, but I wonder how uh, vigorously they try to get them out of the protocol if they're not coming back to the to 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 play. They're not going to be active anymore, at least for the rest of, rest of the year. Or do they just say, "All right, you're not doing anything." Um, I mean, I'm sure they're re regular rehab stuff, but I don't know how uh, quickly they try to expedite the protocol if. Uh, when you're out for the year with a concussion, it's, I, don't, just, uh, I would think you wouldn't expedite it. There's nothing to expedite. Yeah, I I, w I would too, but I would. It's one of the, not that I'm saying they were. I feel like that's the point. Yeah, I know. Almost like, yeah, I agree. I'm not saying they would completely kick the guys out and like say don't come back to the to facility anymore. I unless just, they're like a French guy. Yeah, I just wonder what the. I don't know. I. I wonder what the protocol is once they've determined that they're not playing again this year. I know I'm assuming it would be very slow, but I wonder how different it is than um, a regular concussion protocol. 
That I don't have an answer to. Yeah, but, I don't know that either. Uh, you have anything to add on? We're, we're, st- we're going away from the, the injuries. Now we're going to the updates from uh, last week, so week 12. Uh, you have anything to add about the Oakland-Denver fight? No, I, th- suspensions? I think we pretty much talked about it with the with the suspensions and – Reduction. Yeah, it's just it's it's just an easy thing, I think, for the NFL to change if they want. Okay. I, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, then we're going to talk about another major headliner uh, for this past week. Uh, Eli Manning, uh, the quarterback for the Giants, uh, got, I guess, benched uh, for – the backup, Geno Smith, after 210 straight starts. So he's started every game since his first start. Um, I forget what week it was, his rookie year, seven or eight or nine, in the middle of his rookie year, um, when they decided to start him over Kurt Warner in 2004. He's played every, he's started every single game as a Giant since then. So this was probably this was probably the biggest story of the One, week. One two Super Bowls, yeah. One two Super Bowls, both against the Patriots. Has had some ups and downs throughout his obviously and from a stats uh perspective and um he's had a couple uh turnover prone interception prone years, but in the one game against Minnesota he had like five. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean he didn't he doesn't have the numbers that Peyton has, but he's a two time Super Bowl MVP. Um like I said, he's he's out there every game. He started two hundred ten games in a row. Which is um, not an easy thing to do in no. the NFL. Um I think Phillip Rivers as now the leader. Leader, the active leader with what um, for quarterbacks. It was like it was one seventy or one eighty. It's pretty close. Uh and then Russell Wilson, who was third, is now second and it's like ninety. Which Not I think I think close, he's yeah. played. I think Russell Wilson has played every game, uh, started every game in his career. Which is surprising. He's been banged up oh, sometimes. Yeah. yeah, he's been banged he up a ton. He runs yeah. too. Yeah. But he started every game, and his at third, he's only like, it's only like ninety games or something. Wow. Um, but so the Eli Manning situation is just uh, it's interesting to get everybody's opinion on it, um, just because it was such a huge story this week. Uh, I think nationally, not just because we're close to the close to it. Um, being in New Jersey, being in being in New Jersey in the New York area, but so him him being benched when healthy um, from the Gi- a lot of Giant fans are upset because I mean even though he's not the team's not playing well this year he's still their guy he's still a guy he's still a guy that you associate the Giants with and he's been so good in the past and it's not it's not necessarily. He's not getting the blame for why the team is losing. You know, it's not like okay, they're two. They were two and nine going into this week, and they've lost five or six games on the last drive by less than a less than a possession where he's turned the ball over late in the games. You know, it's just it hasn't been it hasn't been that type of season. Um, it's been a very injury plagued, offensively and defensively, um, and a very uh, tumultuous season for everybody involved, from the coach uh, to the front office. Um, so. It just seemed like an interesting time with five games left for the coach to. Yeah, like what are you trying to prove, or like what are you trying to? And like, I, to one extent, I understand the like, in a vacuum, I understand the philosophy, the the just the bold reasoning behind it. Not winning, change. Yeah, we're not winning. We're not going to win this year. We have a backup quarterback who. We ha- who hasn't played for us yet, which is a big thing in the NFL, which I think a lot of people don't understand is, okay, so Geno Smith has played 30 games for the Jets, right, as a starting quarterback, and he's played in the league and there's tape on him. But once you get to a new team, I feel like every coaching staff gives these guys a blank slate. So they need to evaluate Geno Smith in – Unless you're Tim Tebow, then they don't really give you a chance. <laughs> yes, unless you're Tim Tebow, then you, then you don't get any chances anywhere. But a lot of these times, like – Okay, so Geno Smith hasn't started a regular season game for the Giants. So we want to see what he can do for us and evaluate him based on that. We have a third-round rookie who we need to see what he can be. So, like like I said, in a vacuum, take all the names away off the back of the jerseys, and I understand what they're thinking, that they're not making the playoffs this year. Um, They have an older quarterback. They need to know, okay, is there any chance that Geno Smith can maybe be that bridge guy for a year or two until we get the next guy in um is this guy that we picked in the third round can he be a backup uh can he be a starting quarterback um that I mean that it's going to influence a lot of the decisions that they're going to make this offseason going forward at the quarterback position but once you kind of put the names on it and 
put Eli in the position just based on everything that he's done for the organization and done for the team and the type of human being that he is, then it just seems like, okay, I understand the philosophy, but is it worth, is it worth it? And that was to me, the biggest thing is like, if you're Ben McAdoo, how can you not realize that, okay, this is probably the best thing to do for the giants. But if I do this, what are the chances that I'm just going to be run out of town? Not that I'm not going to be fired anyway because of how bad this season's gone, but what are the chances that this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and everyone's going to revolt and I'm going to get fired because of it, which is ultimately what happened. But um, And I guess a lot of the people who's, who've played for the Giants and who are on the Super Bowl teams or teammates of Eli have all come out and said that this is, you can't treat him this way, this is not the, this is not how the Giants do things, blah, 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 and like all that stuff. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. It was, it's a, it's a very, it was a very tough situation. Um, and I think it was one that McAdoo for only being there for two years as the head coach. Um, I'm surprised that he made, did it. I'm, I'm surprised that he ultimately made the decision um, with the lack of job so you're security. It's that pretty he has. ballsy of him yeah. to do. Yeah. If he's a coach that had been there for 20 years and won three Super Bowls and was there before Eli, um, and he said, F it, I'm going to be here. 20 years after Eli, I'm going to do this because this is what's best for the program. Yeah. Like a high school coach, basically. Like I can, I could, I could, it would still probably have gotten the same reaction, but I could understand it more. Maybe that guy has more job security. He's going to outlast it no matter what. But with the situation that McAdoo had, it was just very, it was very surprising. I don't know. What do you You, think? You also don't see a lot of emotion out of Eli too often. And I remember when they made the announcement that he wasn't going to be a starting quarterback and, you know, the media was in the locker room, you know, uh, interviewing him. You could see it. It hurt him. He was crushed. He was crushed by it. And I felt bad uh, seeing him like that. Uh, That's really my only opinion, to be honest. You could tell it, it, it hurt him. And I feel like every athlete has been there at some point in time. Like you, you eventually get to a point where either you get hurt and you're not good enough anymore, or you're just, someone tells you, someone tells you you're not good enough anymore. And it's rare that you go out like on your own terms and on top, uh, so you, you feel for for Eli in that yeah. situation. That just there was this was just ever since the major injuries, and it was pretty clear that um, once they got to zero and four, zero and five, and he started suspending defensive guys for missing practices or leaving the facility. Or Tough what, guy. Yeah, whatever whatever it was that was happening that he was starting to try to discipline guys for. Um, you could tell that it was just down all downhill from there, and it was just it's it was a no win situation. He, it, Eli can't win, McAdoo can't win. Um, the Giants, like I get it, the owners and even the coach probably wants to see these other guys because, like I said, it will have an impact on what they do this off season. But it's it's a lose lose situation, you know. You so in their in their defense, you play Eli. You don't know what you have in your backup quarterback and your rookie quarterback. Um, lose. You don't play Eli. Fans revolt. Everybody makes a big stink. You look like a laughing stock. Lose. You get fired. Lose. So there yeah. was there was there was no good way to do it. Which the best way was probably just you know what say, maybe not not to come out and say it, but kind of realize like all right, I might get fired, but. I'm just going to play Eli and try to keep winning games and and see what and figure out the off season and the off season. I think before we move on from uh, Eli Manning to play in 210 straight games, like you got to have an approach to stay healthy at some point. And you know he's a guy who's definitely doesn't run the ball really no. ever. Mm-hmm. And there could be something to say about that mm-hmm. in terms of staying healthy. If you want to play quarterback and you want to stay on the field, don't run. You know, but I don't know if football is really trending in that direction. Um, no, because you get a lot of athletes or quarterback. Yeah. I mean, a lot of your better athletes play quarterback. But um, I think we we talked about this with Cam and a couple other uh, when we well, talked. Cam about- seems like yeah, he doesn't definitely doesn't run the ball as much or not as hard. He runs smarter. Uh, when he does run. Yeah. I mean, Cam specifically, we talked about it in the beginning of the season, how they weren't running him when his, I guess his shoulder was still kind of bothering him. But since they started winning, they said, we're going back to what we did when we went to the Super Bowl. And, and Cam, you're going to run the ball. Yeah. Um, but it, do, it does seem like he's taking less hits when he's running the ball. Um, but from a quarterback as a 
whole, um, we talked about this a little bit in the middle of the year, that the guys who seem to stay the most healthy are the guys who don't leave the pocket. Went Brady. Your friends are there. Yeah, yeah, and it's and all the rules are designed us uh, designed to keep you safe within the confines of that bubble right. that, that, that you start out in. I think Brady, Breeze, Rivers, uh, Eli, those are the guys that have played and have these streaks and have played every game. And of course, they're going to get banged up here and there, yeah. but they don't get hurt to the extent that Roethlisberger and um, like Russell, Russell Wilson. He started ninety games, but he seems to be hurt every year. That's Cam. That some of these other running quarterbacks have uh, trying to kind of, as. as a Packer fan, another guy who had a big win or uh, active, I guess, game started streak Favre. was Favre. Yeah, and I'm trying to think like he didn't really run that much, but he did sometimes. No, he moved around, he ran a lot, but he was he was always banged up. Yeah, he was always always he was hurt, always banged yeah. up, but he just always played. Yeah, um, he was more along the lines of just like being a caveman got him to yeah. you know that many yeah. snaps and in he a was kind of in the Russell Russell Wilson type mold, but. right. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it was speaking of Packers, uh, we got Aaron Rodgers back in practice after his uh, collarbone injury. And so he's practicing again. Um, big win for the Packers this week. Um, so now they're back to six and six uh, with the Cowboys and the Lions. Um, I think although that group of three teams, all six and six, is two games out of the last wild card spot. But um, but the Packers have the Browns this week. Um, and then they finish with, I think, the Lions, the Vikings, and one other game that is winnable. I should probably know this as a Packers fan, but I don't. So, uh, But the last two games are, are the Lions and the Vikings are the hardest ones. It's, it's uh, I know they play the Browns this week, and then it's another team that I, they should, I feel like. Um, oh, the Panthers. It's a tough game. It's uh, Brown, Browns, Panthers, Vikings, Lions. So, I mean, those are some tough games, but if you get by the Browns this week, you get seven and six, and then maybe you get Rodgers back for the last three games or the last two games. Um, now you got a shot. Um, Collarbone is one of those injuries. Once it's healed, it's healed. You know, I you mean, can't, it, you can't strengthen it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, if it's if it's a hundred percent, and he can, he, I mean, I don't think he's going to have any limitations. You know, uh, he's going to go out there and probably get back up to speed pretty quickly and that would be a scary that's a scary team if they if they get the sixth seed in the playoffs and right now all of a sudden Rodgers is back um so it'll be be interesting to follow here the last couple of weeks to see plus we yeah, we talked about too how like Aaron Rodgers raises the level of everyone else around him so yeah and like you said he's fun he's he's fun he's fun to watch yeah he's just a freak what he does uh just from a pure arm strength uh and mental Arm strength, and he just mentally beats 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 the defense a lot of times. Um, so it'll be. Uh, I I mean I, I hope he comes back. I would like I would love to see him play the Vikings in on on Christmas Eve when if the Packers are eight and six and uh, have to win a couple more games to make the playoffs. Like that, it makes that makes the NFL more fun. You know. Let's make sure he doesn't come back too soon. He's got to be ready. <laughs> Stay here as long as you can. Uh, all right, now we're going to wrap up our conversation uh, by talking about a current initiative or last week's initiative that the NFL was kind of running with their players. It's cool that they let their players do that when it's such like a structured league at times. Um, they kind of lightened up on the celebrations. And th- this this uh, My Cause, My Cleats thing isn't a new initiative. I think they did that last year too, maybe yeah. the year before. Yeah, it stemmed from guys doing – Guys wearing cleats that weren't team color, that weren't for a cause, that were just just to like go against. Yeah. Well, not really go against it, but showy, flashy. Um, me and it was mostly like wide receivers. Like AB a- was wearing doing it. They Odell, probably got fined. Odell for Beckham it. was yeah. They were getting fined, and it weren't big fines, so they kept doing it. Um, and everyone started complaining about it and say, "Oh, no fun league. Let them wear different color spikes and all this stuff." Um, but it wasn't like okay, I'm I'm wearing these spikes to support this cause or my foundation or whatever. Right. It's a cool idea. Yeah. yeah, They're just, I'm wearing different colored spikes just to be, just to be different. And Um, and think about the platform that these guys have, you know, that, you know, these, someone's favorite players wearing this cleat for this foundation or whatever. And it's like, wow, like they, they care about this. Like maybe I should care about this. Yeah. So it, it, it is cool. Um, I'll be interested to see if it ever gets to the point where they do it every week. You know, uh, does that water it down? Does it get to the point where uh, if you can do it all 16 weeks, do less guys do it? Um, I don't think the NFL would do that only because the way that it currently goes, like when they have the 
the cancer month, and then they have the military month, and then they have this. You know, I feel like they would all bleed into each other. Yeah, Yeah. it makes sense from a monetization standpoint. Yeah, Um, but it is, and it is cool to see. And they've also done a really good job of um, having a couple commercials with a couple guys talking about their cleats. All the pregame shows were, were, were have been talking about um, guys and their specific cleats. Every radio, I mean, now I'm in the car all day long, pretty much, um, and listen to NFL Network the or NFL Radio the majority of the time, and they probably have four to five players on per day. Uh, and last week, every single one of them, they were talking about what the guys were having on their cleats. Yeah, uh, I feel like this, the participation numbers are definitely growing. Yeah, and people listening to this can go on to. Uh, headsandtails.org uh, to find a link to that the NFL posted of all of really pretty much almost all of the yeah. cleats pictures of all the cleats uh, that guys were wearing yesterday and I was surprised at like the variety of you know organizations I mean there was a lot of uh, a lot of cancer mm-hmm. you know uh, foundations I saw cystic fibrosis I saw we saw autism a bunch yeah. of autism guys supporting yeah. that I saw a lot of uh Animal adoption. Yeah, that yeah, was a, Logan Ryan's was animal adoption. He was on the radio this yeah, year. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, there was a lot of like unity uh, focused ones. Yeah. I know a lot uh, of the Steelers are doing military. Yeah, uh, a lot of military guys. Villanueva is doing military, and uh, he got a bunch of other guys to do military too. Um, a lot of guys with their own foundations. Yeah, a lot of guys with their own foundations. For I mean, most almost. All these guys, especially the bigger name guys, have their own foundation um, for whatever cause they chose to have their foundation be uh, be a part of. So a lot of guys did um, stuff regarding that foundation. But the best part about this is, um, if you, I'm, I'm not sure if it's on the link, but for the most part, these guys wore them and then they're auctioning them off with all the proceeds going to whatever to their foundation, yeah, whatever they of were of choice. Yeah. yeah, the foundation of choice, and most time whatever there was on the cleat, whatever they were going to support. Yeah, I, I also saw that some of the guys were wearing like their own personal ones, like they wore cleats for like their dad or their yeah. mom or someone yeah. that they lost to you know cancer yeah. or. Yeah. A lot of the causes were like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Josh, if you had to pick a, a cause for your cleats when you were stepping out on the field on a Sunday, uh, what would be your cause? I we talked about this a little bit uh, earlier today, so you're not just putting me on the spot here. But um, and we talked about it. there was there, there were a handful of autism speaks, but I think I would I would have. Uh, went with the autism cause for mine, uh, working in the high school and working in special ed for a couple of years right after I graduated college. Um, I think it gave me, it was something that I wasn't really kind of exposed to, I would, I would, I would say. Um, and when we were in high school, we didn't have, uh, the population, um, and we didn't have the, uh, the room in that, in our school at that time. And then when I got back, uh, they, they kind of designed a program specifically for, uh, those kids, which um, I was in the classroom all day for three years, and it gave me a, a really good respect for those kids and the challenges that they face, and kind of the challenges that uh, everyone around them faces, the parents face, and and the challenges they face after um, high school ends. Um, so it's it's a it's a thing that ne- obviously continues to be needed to raise awareness of, and um, that's probably what I would have would have chosen, just because it's had uh, some direct effect on me in my. Yeah, you er, saw er, you, early adult life. Yeah, you saw it firsthand. Uh, what were some of like the specific challenges that you know these kids with autism uh, face? I know there's usually yeah, like every a spectrum, ki- right? Yeah, it's every kid, every kid is so much different, and that's and it's the it's it's the uniqueness of it that is is challenging because it's not that I can say okay, um, we have five. Uh, boys and girls in our classroom this year who are going to be all on the autistic spectrum and we can deal with them all the same way. You know, we can all do this, this, and this, um, and it's going to help all, every one of them. Um, each kid is so, uh, their needs are so individual that you can't, you can't really blanket, uh, how you, how you treat them and how you interact with them and how you get them to get the most out of, uh, their everyday life and every, um, what they're doing every day. So, um, the most challenging part is really trying to make a specific plan for each kid, um, to get, to get the most benefit uh, out of them from from a school perspective and from a carryover perspective into life of what what they can do um, past just high school and um, and becoming a a really good contributing part of uh, 
part of society, um, which they're all capable of, obviously. But it's how can you how can you get them to that level by teaching them what they need, um, especially your typical day to day life thing. So um, it was challenging, but it was it was it was very it was also very eye opening at the same time. Cool, I like that, Josh. It was a good pick. Um, my cause would be uh, the High Fives Foundation, which is a foundation created by one of my former podcast guests, Roy Tuscany, uh, in episode 85. And the High Fives Foundation supports the dreams of mountain action sport athletes by raising injury uh, prevention awareness while providing resources and inspiration to those who suffer life-altering injuries. And Roy is a guy who uh, became a paraplegic after a ski accident. Um, and he kind of took his injury and kind of the struggles that he had to kind of like find a new identity and still try to find things and still do the things that he's always loved to do. Mm -hmm. So he helps athletes who have suffered life altering spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, um, veterans with, you know, uh, amputations. And he helps teach them how to go snowboarding, how to go surfing, how to, they go fishing. They, they find new things and new purpose, you know, outside of whatever they thought their identity once was. And it kind of gives them hope. And he also has a branch of his foundation that is all about kind of promoting, uh, you know, sports safety specifically for winter sports, but it all translates to other sports as well. And kind of like talk about talking about where people go wrong when they have these life-altering injuries, like where they went wrong, like it, whether ego over intuition is the one yeah. that comes sticks out in my head uh, that he had mentioned in there. Because to me, that was like my problem that kind of led to my life-altering uh, injury. When the ego got in the way, yeah. and, you know, your gut feeling kind of gets uh, smothered. For whatever reason, you feel like you're Superman sometimes. Yeah, and that... that kind of leads to bad things yeah, a lot of times invincible yeah no one no one is invincible yeah so so that would be that would be my cause kind of hits all spectrums you get the veterans in there you get something that i'm obviously very passionate about or else i wouldn't have talked about it for 100 plus episodes um but yeah uh kev you posted uh the uh, instagram with a couple cleats right yeah i did i, I posted there's like 10 pictures or so I'm, we got our boy burton in there yeah um, well, if, if anyone out there is listening and feels so uh, inclined, if you uh, go on the Instagram, uh, post a comment of what if what you guys would have uh, would have liked to have put on your cleats if you were uh, running around in the NFL, uh, on the NFL field this week, kind of uh, get a feel for some of you guys and what uh, what what are some causes that you would uh, like to bring some more awareness and more attention to. Yeah, it's cool to to dream. That's it. <laughs>